Southerners have long created the storylines that shape the nation, and in some ways the world. We have planted the seeds that spark global movements. As goes the South, so goes the nation. Never in our lifetime has that been more true. Whether it's fighting for racial justice, ending health disparities, fighting for voting rights by organizing people around common goals, these issues, and the Southerners leading the charge over them, are going to set the tempo for the 2020 elections. This season of The Reckon Interview, we're digging into the stories and people beyond the polls and partisanship. We're speaking with the community leaders and fresh young voices doing the work of building the future South, on the ground and out of the spotlight. If you're looking for another political podcast to handicap the horse race, there are plenty of them out there. But we want you to join us as we explore the Southern issues, trends, and movements that matter most. And hopefully learn how to plant our own seeds of change. So subscribe to The Reckon Interview wherever you get your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. What's Alabama's threshold? What would it take for them? They've kind of hinted at being near a breaking point, being in trouble, with some of these numbers and the rising cases, you know, what would it, what would it take? And, you know, the answer was, there really wasn't an answer. Uh, there wasn't any, we didn't have an answer for exactly what it would take. Today, on the 50th episode of Outbreak, we hear from AL.com reporter Michael Casagrande. Normally, Michael covers Alabama football and other Crimson Tide athletics. But with COVID-19 shutting down spring sports, he transitioned to informing people on the pandemic's impact on the city of Tuscaloosa and University of Alabama. As COVID-19 cases rise at the University of Alabama, the city of Tuscaloosa is taking new measures to slow the spread. Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Maddox denounced Monday morning that bars will be closed for two weeks and bar service at restaurants will be suspended. The new orders began at 5 p.m. on Monday, August 24th, and will run through at least September 8th. University of Alabama President Stuart Bell said the measures were needed to slow the increasing spread of COVID-19 on campus. Last week, Bell said that there was a, quote, unacceptable rise in COVID-19 cases in a message to campus. Bell said that the trend is a real threat for UA to complete the semester on campus. Photos and videos of packed bars continued to make social media rounds on the first weekend after classes began last Wednesday. The school then announced new limitations on activities and Greek housing as concerns grew over quarantine space for students testing positive on campus. The Student Government Association even announced that it has canceled student-organized block seating in Bryant-Denny Stadium for the 2020 football season. On Monday, August 25th, UA released the first numbers of on-campus COVID-19 test results. A total of 531 confirmed cases between students, faculty, and staff were reported on the Tuscaloosa campus since classes began on August 19th, according to UA. UA's dashboard did not include how many were tested August 19th through August 23rd or the rate of positive tests. I spoke to Michael Casagrande about the University of Alabama's response to COVID-19, what led to the city shutting down its bars, what UA's new data reveals, and what it leaves out. What role the 2020 Alabama football season plays in the new campus restrictions? And what questions still remain as the semester continues? Michael, you and I attended 
Monday morning's joint press conference between the city of Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama, where Mayor Walt Maddox announced that bars will be closed for two weeks and bar service at restaurants will be suspended in an effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. And this comes less than a week after UA's fall semester began. What specifically led to the city and school taking these actions? Yeah, no, it's, it's been pretty clear that the cases have been rising among students and they've identified that social situations have been kind of the, the driver of those, of those cases. They just announced Monday evening that the, the case count was at 531 students, faculty, staff. Uh, you can assume that was largely students from, and that's, that's testing results that began on Wednesday, the 19th. So, from Wednesday to Sunday, the tests counted 531, and it's anecdotally just heard a lot about rising numbers on campus, and they're trying to, to stop these, to slow down the spread, because it's been clear through videos, through social media, that, that the bar scene has been pretty active since students returned from summer break, and uh, this is their latest effort to, to try to stem that. And at the presser, UA President Stuart Bell declined to share specific numbers of positive cases on campus, but said that the system office would announce the numbers later that day, which you just mentioned. So they did share them. There were some glitches on the site where it crashed a couple times. But what else did the data reveal that you found interesting? It was a long time waiting to get those results. They were supposed to come out at five. There were some old results that showed up on a dashboard that went went down. So there were some false starts. I think it's more notable for what wasn't on there. Uh, there wasn't any context for how many students were tested uh, to reach that 531 number. You know, what was a positivity rate? Um, it was just in general, uh, just kind of a the one number. There was they had the listing of uh, the percentage of uh, isolation beds available. It was, it was below, their occupancy was below 20%. So at least for the dorm space on campus, I know not everybody is using that. There are people who are going home. They're closer to the Tuscaloosa area. And the people from the Birmingham area have gone home to their parents' house instead of staying in the, the isolation dorms. I know they're looking at getting more space for that on campus if needed. So um, there were some answers, but it, it, it begs more questions that, that remain to be answered. And, you know, we'll see if we can get those in the coming days and weeks. Um, it's always ongoing effort to get uh, the full truth. Yeah, and you've written about the economic hit that Tuscaloosa would take in the event of a campus shutdown, which Maddox pointed out stretches beyond just football. What kind of financial loss are we talking about? Yeah, no, it's it's football gets a lot of the talk, a lot of the attention uh, in terms of economics, but the the campus itself, the just the daily operation of the campus with 30,000 plus students, everybody that comes along with that is much more of an economic issue than uh seven Saturdays, seven weekends in the fall. I know they've they've cited numbers that that the university has a 2 billion dollar impact on the local economy, um the university as a whole with having the students in town. Um, so it's not necessary that $2 billion will disappear if there's no students for a year, but it's very significant. You can tell from being around the city when school is in, the bars, the restaurants, shopping, 
it's obviously it's much more vibrant, much more much more money changing hands in in those moments than when you know summer break in a traditional year or a winter break, spring break. You can definitely see things go down, and that's kind of been the case for several months now. And that would be you know obviously it would be devastating, even much more so than uh, if football wasn't played or there weren't big crowds for football. Well, and Michael, you've covered Alabama football for several years now, and we're obviously all keeping an eye on the 2020 season, and everyone hopes that this season plays out as is currently scheduled, but a lot rests on how things go on campus, no matter how insulated and organized Nick Saban's program is. Someone asked President Bell directly at the presser about how these new restrictions might help preserve the football season, but he didn't really address it. How much do you think football figures into these conversations between the city and university and subsequent restrictions on student activities? You know, it's a good question, and it's, I'm, I'd love to be privy to some of the, the discussions. I think in some sense at this point, football isn't going to be football as you know it economically. Uh, you know, they're already going to be 20 percent. The, the capacity would be held down to 20 percent of you know the 101,000. So a little bit more than 20,000 fans would be allowed in if they were to play all the home games at home. So it's that already, you know, they've already whacked 80% of the, you know, the people coming in off of that equation. So it's not going to, it wouldn't be a huge windfall for the city that it normally would be. I think it's a $20 million a year impact, which is, you don't want to act like $20 million is some sort of insignificant amount, but that's, that's what the, estimates are what 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 a football season means to the local economy so you know there'll be fewer hotels use fewer restaurants bars all that the ecosystem that surrounds the the football is already going to be diminished in the best case scenario so you know i'm sure i'm sure it factors in um how much it does you know that's that's the question we wish we could be the fly on the wall for those those conversations and even if it's you know, maybe if it's even said out loud, if it's more of a, a subconscious thing, I'm sure. Um, I guess it'd be impossible to say it doesn't factor in at all. But uh, I'd like to know, you know, just how that thought process works. Yeah. And so earlier you mentioned the data that wasn't released on the dashboard. President Bell spoke at length on Monday at the press conference. But when it came to the Q&A portion with members of the press, his answers were pretty vague and indirect. And I just wonder, how forthcoming do you think UA has been in its response to COVID-19? Because there's been a lot of confusion about the data, when the data is coming, and when we get it, the nature of it. So how difficult has it been, I guess, reporting on this as it relates to UA and what they decide to share? Yeah, no, it's it's been, it's been a challenge. Um, I know it's it's a challenge for everybody. You know, it's, there's not a script for, for their, how they're handling it, how they're, you know, operating it and then communicating it. I know I've received a number of complaints from, from students, from parents of students, from parents all over the country of students who are at Alabama and the frustration they've, they've encountered with dorm policies, with meal plans. There's so many tentacles to this that it's, it's not, you know, everyone who's been on a college campus who's been to, in that college experience, you know, there are so many different pieces to the puzzle that, that go into the whole experience as opposed to just going to class 
every bit of it has been touched by this, this pandemic. So yeah, I've got more questions than I even have time to even ask at times, trying to be judicious and which ones to ask and which ones to hang on to and try to get more information on. It's it's been it's been a challenge, but it's it's part of the job. It's the way it works. So we're trying to get answers. We're trying to trying to inform people as best they can, trying to inform families who have kids here and they're they're just trying to figure out if they're safe and how it's all gonna work. Because there's obviously a lot of money invested from the from the families of students students themselves who are paying for college. It's it's very expensive and it's not the experience that they would have gotten any other year. So it's it's been, you know, trying to help with them and help, you know, just get answers because I think a lot of people, even if you're not in student, you're not a student, don't have family in school, you're still going to have questions because this is, you know, it means so much to so many people. You traveled up to the Strip after the presser to speak with students and bar owners. Who did you talk to and what was their reaction to the shutdown? Yeah, I talked to a couple different owners. The uh, owner Nicolette uh, was nice, friendly, uh, declined to comment beyond what was said last week about the day. Uh, but his his business, obviously, is going to be most affected. The, the bars that aren't bar restaurants will obviously be shuttered for two weeks. I talked to a manager at Buffalo Phil's, and they were still, still trying to get some clarification as to what some of the rules meant. Were they able to serve food at the bar top? Sometimes people ask where people want to sit. As opposed to at a table, could they could they serve people there? Uh, went down the street to uh, twelve twenty five, the new new sports bar that was where Elvin Cohn was on the strip, and talked to the owner there. Nice guy, he understood. You know, it was kind of one of the things where he understands where the city's coming from. It's disappointing. It's not the best for business, but he's gonna he's gonna roll with the punches. He's gonna do what he can, make the adjustments. You know, no one's gonna be sitting at their bar for two weeks. Students were um, pretty upset. Some of them were very upset. One of the guys I talked to was one person who, who understood and said that it's no, not a big deal and that people can deal with it for two weeks. It's not going to be the end of their life um, because they can't go to a bar. Others were pretty upset. A couple of them didn't even like the idea of wearing a mask. Heard some of the uh, conspiracy theories around mask usage, talking to students on the strip. So. You can see the the variety of um, the I don't know how you know how to say it, the, the the range of opinions and thought processes that go into this. It's it's complex. It's not everybody gets their information from different places, and you know I think those conversations yesterday kind of opened my eyes to the way that some people still are receiving information that isn't true. So I guess we need to do better in our our business to to get the truth out there. Yeah, and finally, Michael, related to that, you mentioned earlier that you have so many questions about all this. What are we waiting for now? What are the biggest questions that you have about what's happening on campus as we roll into week two of the fall semester? Yeah, I mean, it was the the question that I asked uh, Stuart Bell. The first question I asked him yesterday was, what's the breaking point? What You know, there are so many schools, so many campuses that are going uh, back to virtual learning, North Carolina, uh, NC State, Notre Dame, just to name a few, have already made that, pulled that pin. You know, so what's, what's Alabama's threshold? What's, what would it take for them? Um, they've kind of hinted at being near a breaking point, being in trouble 
with some of these numbers and the rising cases, you know, what would it, what would it take? And, you know, the answer was, there really wasn't an answer. Uh, there wasn't any, we didn't have an answer for exactly what it would take. Basically, it was, it would take a number of different things coming together. But that's, I think that's my biggest, what, what would it take? What would be the breaking point? And I, they haven't really articulated that yet. And I guess we're going to have to just keep, keep asking. But that's, I guess, the questions I've heard from people, from readers out there, that what would it take? Michael, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thank you for listening.